Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. If you love explosive revenge as much as I do, help out by making the like and subscribe buttons down below explode. That said, our story of the days by Mama Empath, revenge on my cheating fiancé was bad, but the karma was brutal. This happened to me about 1999, 2000, when I was 19 to 20 years old. My friend told me that this was the juiciest revenge and karma he's ever heard of and that I should post it here. If you've ever been cheated on by someone you love, this is for you. I was single after around five years with my then boyfriend and had finally mustered the courage to tell my junior high school crush, let's call him DN for douche nozzle, about the candle I'd been holding for him for the past seven years, ever since the first time we met. I was still somewhat new to the Pacific Northwest after leaving my home of Alaska, and figured, well, he's in Alaska and I'm here, and never moving back, so I might as well let the unspoken thing be spoken, get the answer I'm sure is coming, and move on with my life. I was pretty sure that once I laid down all the cards, he wouldn't have wanted to be friends with me anymore or would have said something like, I'm not into you that way. I was expecting at most an awkward conversation with him that may have explained my behaviors over the years I'd known him. Much to my surprise, he reciprocated my expression of sincere love. Deanne and I had been friends for all that time and though I never dropped hints to him about it, I did tell my closest friend at the time. He and I even kissed once during our first school year together, and even though I wanted to, I didn't ever press the issue or pursue him further, giving him the chance to take the lead, which he didn't. His words to me were poetic and so full of promise, including him saying how I always had a thing for you and never knew how to approach you, and I was so afraid you would reject me and I'd be humiliated and so on, the same kind of stuff I'd told him. Seven years later, having not the slightest clue that he was going to react that way at all, it made me question my decision about never moving back. I mean, never. After the phone call professing love for each other, that word, never, seemed so extreme. If I relaxed that decision, maybe I could have the opportunity for the relationship I'd wanted for so long. I had a really great perk with a family member who was a pilot and was able to fly on a buddy pass or standby ticket pretty often. So I decided to fly up to Alaska every couple of weeks to see DN. Once the news got around, everyone in our circle of friends would exclaim, Oh my god, you plus DN. I always hoped you two would end up together. You're the perfect couple. I thought it was super cheesy and romantic, but it actually felt validating and nice because that was what I had envisioned and hoped people would say about us. I was always very careful to avoid dating or even flirting with anyone I went to school with, for the sake of avoiding interpersonal drama and gossip at school, which would have disrupted so much more than my education. After several months of traveling to see him every couple of weeks, he asked me to marry him. I said yes, and then without hesitation, started planning to move back to Alaska to be together and start our life there in our hometown. I made my plans for the move, packing up all of my belongings and parcel shipping everything I owned. 
Thankfully, it wasn't much because I was still so young and didn't own any furniture. Deanne and I were going to live together at his place where he had a roommate. Let's call him Bicycle Man, who I will never forget, and the reason why is coming up. In the scant number of days before my final flight back up to Anchorage, I started feeling kind of icky and gross. And after several days of that, followed my intuition and took a pregnancy test. I found out I was pregnant, and I was so overjoyed that I called him one evening to tell him about it. There was already a party going on in his place. I spoke with Dean briefly and said, I have some news I want to share with you. And he said, but first, I have to tell you about this really cool artist chick. And he told me about this girl who came to the party, let's call her Thought. Yes, a terrible nickname used only because I'm too lazy to think of a better acronym, and it made me laugh when it first occurred to me. I was irked by the way he was talking about her, and realized this is not the time for a big reveal. I think I said something to DN like, don't do anything you'll regret. He asked me to call him later on to tell him whatever the news was, so I said I would, and then I did. Hours later, whoever answered the phone said that DN was there, but couldn't come to the phone right now. I had this awful stomach sinking feeling because I already had an intuitive feeling about what was happening. DN never called me back that evening. I called him the next morning, no answer. I was heartbroken. That evening, I finally got to talk with him and reminded him how I have news, but he interrupted me to say, I have to tell you something. And my stomach sinking feeling was now turning to nausea. He admitted that he cheated on me with thought all while the time I was trying to reach him the night before. I hung up the phone on him and threw up. He didn't call me back to ask what my news was. I called him back later on to verbally upbraid him and all he could do was ask for forgiveness and tell me that it was a mistake and that he still wanted me to come there. I told him there was no chance I would marry him after that. That was not a mistake, buddy. That was a choice. I said I would be up there to get my things and then I'd be gone for good. It took every ounce of my emotional strength to verbalize my thoughts without screaming. I miscarried the pregnancy that week. Add that onto the absolute devastation that this person I'd longed for after all these years didn't actually intend on a committed relationship after proposing to me, and then I had to deal with the immense pain of losing my first pregnancy. And then to top that off, I had to fly up to Anchorage weeks before Christmas to pick up all of the stuff I had already parcel shipped there, wait for it to arrive, with nowhere else to go but DN's home. I had to face him and be around him after having my heart thoroughly crushed. I knew also that all of our mutual friends and our families would either learn the truth or would be told lies if DN tried to save face about his mistake. I didn't know DN to be that kind of person, but then I didn't know him to be a cheater either, so all bets were off when it came to an educated guess about what course of action he would take. So I got on the plane, flew up north to Alaska, and of course, DN didn't remember he told me the day before that he'd pick me up at the airport, or he didn't think it was worth it, whatever it was. It was the most awful feeling to be forgotten about and left there stranded. Even more humiliating was when an elderly couple at the airport saw me waiting alone, picked up my lost girl vibe, and asked me if I was okay. And I lost my calm demeanor and broke down in tears in the airport. I shooed away the well-meaning couple because I couldn't keep my crap together long enough to be gracious about any help they could have offered. I finally got a cab and went out to his place. 
banged on the door outside, and waited until I couldn't feel my fingertips anymore. The racket finally woke up Bicycle Man who let me inside. DN was in his room, passed out on his bed. I went to the living room couch and waited. I didn't know exactly how to confront him, so I didn't. He already knew how I felt based on our phone call following his confession. I acted like I no longer cared about it because the last thing I wanted was to be seen as a crazy ex. There was no way I was going to let his behavior and choices besmirch my reputation. So I acted cool and dispassionate, as if it were all just a matter-of-fact end to a relationship. I kept to myself as much as possible. DN must have taken that as some sort of sign that we were just friends or only friends, as if we'd never had a relationship, as if he'd never asked me to marry him. And he had the bright idea to invite Thought over to meet me. As it turned out, DN told Thought that I was just a friend, and he never told her about our relationship engagement, me visiting frequently to see him, me moving there to be with him, etc. It was like I was erased and discarded. Looking back, this is a very clear case of a narcissist relationship pattern of idealize, devalue, discard. Every moment between arriving there and leaving felt like it was just me crying and feeling so incredibly hurt that it broke my whole world. I had sacrificed my family, who would all move to the Pacific Northwest by that point, I left my job so that I could move back to Alaska and be with DN. I was so into the idea of a relationship with him, it didn't even feel like I'd sacrificed for the sake of our relationship. But I did. And it hit me that I sacrificed family and job who had never hurt me, at least not in the way DN had hurt me. I regretted leaving them to be with DN and his empty promise of love. When the news spread to our mutual friends and his family, No one could understand why DN and I were split up. While everyone understood why I was crying and upset, no one really knew what to do with the constant stream of tears. I maintained my composure as being the not crazy ex to the best of my ability. This all happened in front of people who knew both of us for years. They were dumbfounded about thought and what she was doing with DN. They put the puzzle pieces together themselves. I kept my mouth shut and only stated facts when I was asked. Yes, DN would rather be with her, so he's with her. I'm here waiting for my things to arrive so that I can ship them back, and then I'm getting on the next flight out of here. One day, out of the total around two weeks I was there, Bicycle Man came out of his room and saw me in my silent waterfall of tears, and just said to me, DN is a total jerk. If I were you, I would be crying too. For some reason, that made me feel better about the whole thing. Bicycle Man was a muscly, bad-to-the-bone guy to a young woman like me, and for him to say that made me feel like the world wasn't such a cruel place after all. I still had not told anyone about the pregnancy or the loss, because even though I was grieving and in pain, if I mentioned any of that, I knew that I would be treated like a crazy ex who was making up stories to make him feel worse or make it all about poor me, and I just didn't need any more BS on top of that. I suffered in silence and perfected the art of crying without making a sound, so that I wouldn't draw anyone else's attention to my grief. Over those two weeks, DN invited thought over frequently. He probably thought it was no big deal to me. He wasn't thinking about me or how his behavior was affecting me. I was in a state of shock. I never thought he would treat me like that. After I'd known him for so long and had never seen him behave in that way. I stayed on the couch while the two of them had their fun in DN's room within earshot. 
a move that like is such a jerk thing to do that I'm still surprised it didn't instantly place his likeness in the dictionary under the definition of sociopath. I didn't have the energy to confront Dien or to argue as to why doing something like that was cruel and heartless. If he didn't know that already, me telling him wasn't going to teach him the basics of empathy. I was so angry at him that I wanted to hurt him even worse than he had done to me. Before I left, I concocted a plan to poison his new relationship with thought. This is where the revenge plot comes into play. I'm bisexual, and I knew that thought was at least flexible in that regard, and obviously she was willing to move fast with someone. So, at yet another party night, a seemingly regular occurrence at that house, I got thought all to myself before she got drunk for long enough to seduce her. I shut both of us in DN's room. Meanwhile, everyone else was getting too drunk to get that anything could have been happening in there. DN was occupied with the guests and may not have noticed we were missing. After we were finished, I told her why I was there and told her about my history with DN. With an icy and dispassionate apathy that illustrated how much DN was dead to me, I told her, If he cares enough about me to propose to me and then do what he did with you after I've known him for years, just imagine what he'll do to you. Suddenly, she understood why I'd been so somber when I was introduced to her. She had no idea that I was anything more than an innocent friend of DN's. She didn't know why I was there in Alaska or why I was waiting for boxes. She didn't know anything. She felt profoundly guilty and regretful, despite the fact that she didn't know any better. She had been deceived, and I'd been too gracious to lose my cool or cause a scene at a house party or in front of anyone else, as would have been expected. When I was in private with her, I told her everything, including how I pined after him when I was 12 years old because my adolescent hormones didn't know better. Dn walked in on us and must have assumed that nothing was wrong, only because nothing violent or terrible was happening in the moment. That was either hubris or drunkenness on his part. There was no confrontation again. The party went on, and the other girl left. The next day, Dn asked me what I was doing with the other girl. I said to him, she was an easy piece of butt, and I'm not surprised you were able to get busy with her the same day you met her. I just happened to do the same thing you did. I didn't see her that way. I said that to her because that was the most emasculating thing I could think of. The look on his face seemed to suggest that his hot dog had shriveled and inverted into his body. He looked more mortified than I've ever seen him. I still played my poker face. He didn't know what to say after that, so he said nothing and changed the subject. I made him feel just as small and insignificant as he had made me feel. Mission accomplished. Or so I thought. There's more. I got my belongings finally and shipped them all straight back to where they came from. I got myself on another flight out of there a day or so later, didn't ever see the other girl again. I didn't hear from DN again for the next 5 years. 5 years later, I was married and had just learned that week that I was pregnant with my first child. I got an email from DN, he tracked me down through social media back in 2005. He said that he wanted to catch up with me, and so I obliged him with a phone call, thinking I was gonna gloat about being married and having a kid or some crap. Dian told me about all the karma that went down after I left. Said, you didn't go crazy while you were here, but whatever you did planted a seed that grew into something that destroyed my life. He didn't say that word for word, but close to it. I think he used the word cancer in there somewhere. 
Perhaps my intentions to avenge my dead fetus invited my guardian angels, demons may be more likely, to intercede in the situation. Karma, in order of appearance. The other girl cheated on him with his best friend, and then moved in with the dude only two weeks after I'd left. Ouch. He got fired from his job on Xmas Eve. His boss was another mutual friend, who heard about what he did to me, decided he didn't want the guy working at his video store anymore. Ouch. His truck broke down in front of an electrical station, got impounded. He didn't have enough money to get it out, since he lost his job, so he lost his truck too. Ouch. That's pretty bad when you live in a place like Alaska in the middle of winter. His family caught wind of what went down with me and disowned him. Ouch. I thought that was pretty extreme. What did they hear? I never found out, but just chalked it up to karma. After the other girl was gone, his remaining friends unsurprisingly threw another drinking party at his place. Except that time they got Dian wasted drunk and then beat the crap out of him and threw him out of his own home into a snow berm and locked him out. He took refuge with a neighbor but later on had to leave the state because he'd been shunned by all of his remaining friends, had no family or job or truck, and was now single without even a thought to lean on. When we spoke, he'd been living in Texas and rethinking his life and wanted to know how I was doing after our engagement friendship ended. And that was when I decided that that was the right time to tell him about the baby we could have had. And then Distinguished Guests was when he started to cry. And I told him how much it sucked for me to feel like I couldn't have told him about it before. And then I heard his full-on ugly cry on the other line. He was sobbing on the other line and couldn't stop apologizing. He said, I had no idea you were pregnant. I felt a momentary indignant rage and sublimated it for another poker face moment in my matter-of-fact emotionless response. We had sex, so it's not like it was impossible for that to happen. I tried to tell you. At the time, it was more important for you to confess your horrible choice than listen to my news. You didn't have any idea that I was pregnant because you didn't care to know. You didn't even ask. More sobs on the other end of the line, and more apologies than I've ever heard in my life from anyone. I ended our call by saying, it's really okay, I don't hate you. I wanted to say I pity you, but held my tongue. I said things are better for me now. I'm married, and we just found out that we're pregnant with our first child. Anyway, it's really been nice catching up with you and finding out what happened with your life. Sorry to hear it's been difficult. Let's keep in touch. He didn't. I don't know why he bothered contacting me in the first place, because he must have had some idea how that call was going to go down, but he probably wasn't counting on finding out that he could have been a father and we could have had a family together if only he hadn't crushed the heart of someone who actually cared about him. In hindsight, that relationship was nothing more than me confusing his charm, his words, 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 and my infatuation and pining away for actual love. I spent so much time wondering and questioning what I'd done to deserve him doing all of that to me. What I didn't realize was that he didn't do any of that because of me or to punish me for any reason. He did all of that because the only person he'd been thinking about was himself. It took me many more years before I would learn how to identify narcissistic behavior. And now, looking back, I realize that I'd narrowly escaped getting myself stuck in Alaska and romantically committed to a person who has little capacity for empathy and doesn't feel remorse when he wrongs someone. 
I learned how to get revenge by maintaining my grace and composure, stating only the facts, keeping my emotions to myself and my demeanor together just long enough to plant doubt in the heart of the new and other woman. Five years after we crushed my heart, he cried enough to fill a bottle with his tears, and my satisfaction poured it over the flowers on the grave of our tiny dead fetus. I'm sorry, baby. Do you think what OP did here was brilliantly played out? Or do you think there's elements to it that they could have done better? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. If you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.